And now, our feature presentation. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Cinema Shot. I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. The Marvelous Iggy. And joining me uh, is Tyler, who is coming from a recent stay out in the countryside. Oh yeah, it was a nice little uh, vacation away from the city. Got visited by ghosts of my fifth grade self, that was weird. And uh, probably uh, probably really fucking awkward, but you know, hey, at least you had a nice time. Um, maybe may even met somebody. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, we won't talk about that here. But uh, we are now talking, uh, uh, the next movie in our Studio Ghibli Marathon is one that we did not receive until uh, 2016. Um, it's possibly the longest delay in terms of getting it over here to the United States. So it's going to have a, mo- a more modern cast. And you actually recognize some of the voice actors in this. Um, today we are watching Only Yesterday, uh, which is based on a, a manga called Omine Poro Poro, uh, which is, I believe means Memories Come Tumbling Down, which is very, which is very fitting to the title. Um, okay, so this was... Uh, this is what I didn't know this was in their catalog at all. Yeah, this is uh, something that was way under my radar for sure. And like you said, we only got this recently, so not a lot of people knew about this one. Yeah. At least over the, here. Yeah, I'm sure there's like Ghibli diehards who like, you know, bought Japanese versions of this movie. Um, but even like among the like the larger context, you know, you we we've, we've talked we've already watched some critically acclaimed uh, memorable Ghibli movies, and we're gonna. We're actually this movie kind of starts like what would be considered many like the best era of Studio Ghibli. Um, we're in the nineties, folks. Yeah, yeah. So like this is where it re- like Studio Ghibli starts to really catch fire with every like the whole world, uh, culminating with Princess Mononoke in ninety seven, um, and then probably and then, you know the next millennium kicks off with Spirit Away. So, uh, but I, I was interested in this one because I wasn't sure what to expect. I read the synopsis and then I went, okay. Um, warning, this is very good much being the same of, like, Kiki's Livery Service, where it's not really, like, it, it's interesting how they started off with making, like, Castle in the Sky and, 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 um, uh, and Nausicaa, these big sci-fi fantasy adventure films, and then... Starting with My Neighbor Totoro, because uh, I don't want to count Gary the Fireflies, because um, that was more definitely towards the more dramaticness of it all. But starting with My Neighbor Totoro, they definitely go into, for at least the next three movies, more down to earth, relative, rel- relatively down to earth, Totoro being the exception, but more slice of life movies than, say, the big bomb, big adventures they were in the first two. Yeah, in terms of tone, uh, these last three movies have pretty much just been wholesome slice of life films for sure, and I I do appreciate that Ghibli likes to branch out and um, do the kooky stuff every once in a while. Right. Sometimes it's good to just take a step back and just do something a bit more laid back, I guess. Yeah, and we're still gonna get like the crazy dramatic stuff later. So the next movie's Porcarosa, for goodness' sake. So Ex- exactly. So which I've never seen that one. I'm very excited for that. But we're not here to talk about Porcarosa. Let's talk. Let's break down Only Yesterday. Of course, as I said, it was based on the um, uh, manga Oimi de Poro Poro, directed by Isao Takata, uh, screened by Isao Takata. Um, this was produced by Toshio Suzuki, who, by the way, he is the producer for the pretty much every movie from this point 
till uh, the cat returns in 2002 so he is pretty much the producer of, this, of these movies um, and of course uh, and it's directed by Isao Takahata as I said this was released July 20th 1991 in Japan runs 118 minutes had a box office of 3.18 billion yen and uh, 525,000 over here in the United States that's obviously from the 2016 release and we actually have a I'm going to read the whole cast list because the cast is, is, is looks big but it's actually not that big um so we have uh, our main character, Tao Taiko. Uh, she's played by two characters. Uh, her 10-year-old self is played by Allison uh, Fernandez. Um, and you might recognize her from... Uh, uh, she's an Orange and New Black, Jane's, uh, the, Jane the Virgin, a couple of other shows. Uh, but you will recognize her older version as her 27-year-old self, Daisy Ridley, uh, played... Uh, Taiko, and this was a 2016 release. So, like, this was like, and at, like, here come the Star Wars parallels again. <laughs> uh, I mean, not ro- not wrong, like, like, but very much is like the hot, like the beginning of Daisy Ridley's like surge into like superstar. Because Lord knows she was acting and stuff before this. It's just Star Wars made her like a big name in, in 2015. So 2016 and continues on. And you might recognize our lead male, which is Toshio, who's voiced by Dave, Dev Patel, um, who broke out for everybody in America, in the West, with Slumdog Millionaire. Um, and I think the most recent thing he's been in was The Green Knight, which if you've never seen that movie, go see it. It's great. But he's great. Um, and then these are her classmates. Uh, Atana Tsukino is played by Hope Levy. Aiko is played by Stephanie Shea. Toko is played by Ava Akres. Rie is played by Marilyn Rosien. Uh, Sue is played by Jaden Betts, and Shuji Hirota is played by Gianella uh, Fieldman. And then here's here's where you'll recognize uh, some voice actors. Taiko's mother um, is played by Gray uh, De- uh, Gray Delezzi, uh, Delezzi, or yeah Delize. Um, uh, they, they credit she was credited as, as Griffin when I guess when it was first she first did the voice. Uh, her father is played by Matthew Yang King. Uh, her sister, I believe it's her oldest sister, Nanako Okajima, is played by Laura Bailey, which I knew that voice anywhere. Um, you recognize it. Yariko sure. Okajima, her young, her middle, the middle sister, she's played a- Ashley Eckstein. Um, and then her grandmother is played by Mona Marshall, which is, an, again, you'll, rec- you'll recognize her voice when you do. And then finally, Digimon, she, South Park, everything. Yeah, she's been in a lot. And then, of course... Uh, um, Kazuo is also played by Matthew Yang King, which is a little. I was he did a different enough performance. I didn't recognize it. Uh, Kyoko, these are these are her in these are her in laws. I believe like her her relatives through her marriage with her. Uh, her I believe it's her older sister. Um, Naoko is played by Tara Strong, which I did not hear that at all. Um, I recognized it immediately. Okay, and then her her and then the granny of the farm is played by Nika Futterman, also a legend. You will recognize that voice instantly. Maybe a more modern uh, answer would probably be Ventress from Star Wars: The Clone Wars, but definitely a uh, a well known voice actor. So we we got some pretty big names. Uh, definitely, we got obviously the leads are you know movie actors, but definitely some voice actors in the industry to be to be in this, and that must be pretty cool to be part of a. Uh, Vios are real actors too, people. 
Exactly. But it must be cool to be part of a Ghibli movie that we never got in the United States, uh, or at least in the West until now, and they get to dub it. So, what is Only Yesterday? Well, only to break it down, basically, Only Yesterday follows our main character, Taiko Kojima, a 27-year-old... I, I thought she was a teacher, but I don't think she's a teacher. Um, I think she's an office worker. Yeah, 27-year-old office worker, and she pretty much is... Con- like, she's unmarried, um, and pretty much she takes her... Like, she gets, like, yearly trips to this farm where her extended family lives on, on her uh, sister-in-law's side. And pretty much this year she's going to harvest sunflowers. Or uh, safflowers. Um, and the whole... And, and it seems like the very princess of the movie, but the whole... con tits of the movie is uh, Naoko basically reminiscing about her life because her mom and therefore her older sister her sisters are basically telling her like you're 27 years old now like you know you gotta find somebody which I mean like she doesn't have to but like that's how families be sometimes you know like how, how old are you gonna and she they keep they, they reference the fact that she keeps like she takes like elaborate trips to not even a labyrinth trip. She takes. She goes out to the to the countryside to work in the fields. Like that's what she does, um, and and that she needs to like settle down. Go like I think her older sister tells her to um, go and uh, like go go to a hotel and just relax. Um, she doesn't, and in doing so, it's like we're re- it's like almost like we're reading a memoir that she's like narrating to us, um, and she's pretty much like talking about her life. And in doing so, she begins reminiscing about her her fifth grade self or her ten year old self. And this movie is pretty much split into two halves. You have the flashback sequence where you get basically, I would say, vignettes of her life growing up with her family, her her kids, growing up as a young girl, growing up the youngest of the family, uh, growing up being difficult in school, a whole bunch of things. And then you have it, it colliding with her current life, her, her outside in the fields where she doesn't know what, like she's kind of just going through life for the fun. She's not unhappy, but it, like many people around this age, especially in today's society may not have that clearest direction of what they want, what they want in life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, even I don't know what I want in my life and I'm just going through the paces while also reminiscing of days of old. Right. And like that'll like man, I can't. I, I think we. I, I feel like uh, what one one thing that I saw looking up for this movie is that um, that pe- that a lot of a lot of women like this movie, and I and I feel like I really liked how this was a like, and, and I, it doesn't look like there were any women involved in this like writing the story. Um, I mean, like the, the it was directed by a man. Doesn't say who is, obviously the the initial story, um, you know, since it's, I think it's based off a memoir, um, but like I really thought it did a good job of like showing what it was like being a ten year old girl in Japan, and and basically and like not even just that, but living like being the youngest and stuff like that. Being the youngest in 1960s Japan, no less. Right, exactly. Because um, this, I think this takes place in like 19. Oh god, it's like 1980. It's it takes place in the 80s because it's like 20 years later. Um, but like I, I like I really thought like 
and especially when we talked about this with with other game movies and it continued this trend how like the, the 80s was dominated in the west by muscle action men and and guns and then like you know the most popular animation studio in the world not yet at this time at least in the west at least globally you know they, they have this main character who's pretty much just reminiscing about life who you know just just trying to figure out what she's doing and i think the most prevalent part and i feel like this you could use this as an educational movie because there's a part in the movie where she remembers when they have the talk for the first time about the development of women's bodies and just how awful boys can be yeah like like so they 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 get told about periods and they get told about like how their body's changing to have it changes so they could they could have babies one day potentially have babies one day and you know obviously there's that cultural ignorance where like you're not like when we were growing up it's something you didn't talk about like lord knows i didn't i didn't have a sister so i was way too late you had a sister but it like i, I could be like it wasn't something that was openly discussed like your brother didn't know about your sister's period growing up or your mom's it was like i didn't know like it was just one thing you just didn't know yeah um and I really like how this, like, it shows the two sides, like, where the girls are, like, they're kind of okay with it. Like, like there's a point where they're, they're t- I think they're talking about going to get tampons. And um, Naoko, she's obviously nervous about it, but um, she, uh, the girls are like, sure, it's okay. And even there's the, the oldest one, who I believe that's, uh, that's Hirota. Um, you know, she basically, like, her mom told her, like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's completely normal. Meanwhile, you have the boys lifting up their skirts, telling the girls they have... Like, basically acting immature as fuck. Yeah. And, and like... And, and, the, and the thing is, like... I, 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 think it's, I think it's supposed to be a commentary on it because, like... Like, if, it, if the boys just knew, if it was presented to them as, like, this is what it is, it's, it's not... Versus, like, this secret thing that one girl told another boy so it spread like wildfire... Maybe you wouldn't have that, but I like how the film handles it in in the sense of, like, to the audience, it's not necessarily the characters in the movie, but to the audience, to young to young boys who may be watching this movie, to present it as normal as possible. Yeah, I feel like they handled this uh, subject matter maturely. kind of reminds me of uh, when they did something similar in A Silent Voice, although it wasn't as common as uh, menstruation. It was uh, deafness in that movie's case. Right. Um, yeah, I guess I said that we have a lot to learn. Um, but I really like the dual nature of it, of it all, because um, I love the little vignettes in the back, and namely, I loved how the stylistic choice. So obviously, when you're in the in the present with Naoko at, at, on the farm, it's like a full on super Ghibli piece, you know, beautiful scenery. But when they're in she's revisiting memories it the whole like the characters are animated and drawn animated and drawn and they look like how they look in the rest of the movie but the backgrounds are all watercolor yeah it's all faded white uh from uh what i've seen in the backgrounds just to give credence to the fact that this is indeed a flashback right exactly and it's like it's it's obviously like if you're not if you if you know you know it's one of those things it's like it's not subtle about it but like, it gives it's such a distinct look to it. That it's almost as if you could say that we're looking at Naoko's mind, and it's an, it's a canvas, and this is her painting that canvas of how she remembers it. 
Um, and, and it gives such a starking look, even like her, like some things feel abstract, some things feel like loosely drawn versus like hard drawn, like depending on how, and I interpreted it as like, that's how hard, like she might remember something or not. It, it was such a, I love the stylistic choice. Yeah, it definitely uh, gives the film its um, own visual identity, apart from the other Ghibli movies we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. How did you feel about the whole, like, dueling storylines between her younger self and her older self? At first, I was confused. Like, I didn't understand what was going on. But as soon as um, Daisy Ridley was explaining how um, how her childhood kind of correlates with uh, what's going on in now, I'm like, okay, I see how this is going down. Yeah, I think I think it was really I think it was really great to to do that. Um, you know, when she like realizes like she kind of just accepts it. She's she accepts it like she's just always gonna she's gonna, a little bit of part of me is gonna be there. Um, which which is really really nice. Um, so much so that when they start pulling away from the 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 um, the, the kids stuff to the adult stuff, I'm like, can we go back to the kids stuff? Because that was just really inter- it was really entertaining. It's well voice acted. It's like heartbreaking. Because um, I'm not the youngest, but like like uh, but like her struggling being the young one, like she wasn't the smartest. She got hand me downs. She felt like she was being picked on. Like they really, but also she wasn't a perfect character, even by her own admittance. Like she, like she was a brat. Yeah, admittedly, she was kind of the spoiled child, and we do see glimpses of that. We were all that kid at one point. Oh, for sure. I think the most realist moment is when like they're. I, I can't remember what they were exactly going for, but they're getting dressed in kimonos to go somewhere. And she was kind of throwing a fit because she didn't have a purse, and the purse she did have was like looking like for like a three-year-old versus like a ten-year-old. So, she, her mother reluctantly tells her middle sister, her 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 not her oldest her older sister to give her a purse, and then she's like drops it. She's on her head, which is like that's the silly thing to do, and she goes, "I'm not going." And then her dad, who. We'll talk about the dad in a moment, just after this. But, like, her dad, just, like, you coming, little bear? Doesn't say anything, doesn't say anything. All right, let's go. Just, like, all right, we're leaving her. And then, like, that heartbreak of, like, you're just going to leave me, you know? Of uh, And, like, I felt that. But then she runs out of the building, out of the house with no shoes on, and her dad slaps her across the face. Not super hard, but hard enough to leave a mark. And I, I gasped at that moment, like, oh, my God, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was that was a bit of an intense moment. Yeah, like it, like, and we've all been there where either you saw your sibling get smacked across the face, or in my case, it was the behind. Um, that's what my, that's what my parents did, uh, and it, and like you, you had to watch your sibling go through that, and it's just awkward. Or you had to take it while your siblings are watching it. Um, it's it's really awkward, um, but. I thought it was valuable to watch, regardless. Yeah, it's just a reminder that um, no one really is perfect, and uh, just the pain that you go through really does resonate. Exactly. Even though, like, that was in the 1960s, and we grew up in the into in, up in the mid to late 90s, like experiences change somewhat because of technology. And that movie kind of talks about that a little. The movie talks about that a little bit, but ultimately. It's there's some things that have just never changed through the passes of time because of just how how we're brought up. 
um, whether for good or bad. Um, and uh, I was going to say something else. So let's talk about her dad because I feel like she, he's like the easiest to talk about because God, um, like he's obviously like he has his wife and three daughters and his and I can't remember if it's her his mom or the wife's mother. Um, but they have an older like a grandma living in their house, and this guy is just like that that, that stereotypical like 1950s 60s dad where he's just reading his paper, smoking a cigarette, man, a few words. That's it. Yeah, he definitely seems like that type of person for sure. Yeah, he never got angry except for that one part. But like, I just I just felt like bothered that he was indifferent, and even more so when. Uh, uh, Naoko uh, gets noticed by a a production, a a college production play and um, her father basically says outright, no, you're not going to do it because of of all all what's involved and like, even though her mother and her sisters are all behind it um, she flat out shut it down Um, it it, it goes to show like what she remembered because I would assume that's like, maybe her father's different, but like that's what he remembered she remembers of her father. But uh let's talk let's talk about the sort of romance aspect of it cuz I think this is the closest thing uh besides um Kiki's Delivery Service cuz I wouldn't even count that they were kids, but this movie has a romance subplot. Yeah, and it doesn't really come up until like in the movie's uh, final act, in all honesty. Truthfully. But you could say it happens the second he meets him. She meets her. Um, I would say so. He so, wears a Terry Bogart hat. How could you not like this guy? Exactly. So when when um, Naoko arrives at the, at the to be picked up, to be taken to the farm, um, she, uh, uh, she is greeted by Toshio, who is, I believe... Uh, I believe if I have the context right... Um, uh, she he has Kazuko's second cousin, I believe. Uh, so they're yeah, they're right. they're they're not related. Uh, they're not re- they're not blood related or anything like that. So, um, and he's also named after the producer of this film, which is kind of funny. That is that is really funny. Um, and pretty much he is like kind of like not, they're they're kind of attached to the hip, and you can tell there's a chemistry together. Like he like she tells him so much during the course of this movie like there's a great moment where they 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 start palling around with this kid and they start reminiscing about like like um farming and you know what it takes to be farming and the cow like the the what we see like on a on like that beautiful farmland is not just because of nature it's because it's a cult of, it's a combination of working from working with nature man and nature working together to provide what we see here yeah, that was a nice, wholesome speech there. Yeah, and and like you could tell, they just like really spending time with each other. And I kind of thought, like most Ghibli movies up until now, it'll be it would be platonic, um, until the grandma was like, "Listen, um, like," and she and she's very subtle about it. At first, when she basically tells, ask her, like, "Would you like living here?" I'm like, "Oh no." Um, yeah, here comes this talk. Yeah, here like would you and she said, would you consider marrying Toshio? And again, remember the reason why she like, like she she was already annoyed with her sisters as and her mom asking about you know marrying you know uh, at her age, and 
you know, then the then her sister in law comes in, and then her brother in law comes in. Her brother in law being the smart one, saying like, you know, just let it happen. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, you know, uh, it is, uh, it is, it is what it is. And they're like the sister in law is pushing, but like you could be happy here. You can work over here, or you can work in the farm. And uh, Nako's just kind of just. I think she's like like uh, skewing rice. I think um, I can't remember exactly what she's doing. And so finally, she just leaves. She just she just walks out and leaves because she's just had too much. And then, like, she comes to the realization that like I, I could I actually be a farmer? Like I'm just playing farmer here. Like I come out for like ten days once a year and I pick you know flowers or or or, or help with the rice. That's you know she talks about like I've never you know been in, in winter this time and, and like it, it it like that reality crashing down. Uh, really hit home for me because like everything seems nice and then that fear comes in where it's like well what about this what about this what about this and then she meet and then Toshio comes and picks her up and he just it's like she doesn't cry but the, she comes close because she's basically telling a very close and painful memory of of, his, of hers yeah this is the moment in the movie where um where the reality of her trying to just, like, relive the past, I guess, kind of um, comes hitting home even harder. Because she remembers uh, this boy that refused to shake her hand at one point. Uh, which, you know, sounds uh, doesn't sound like much uh, coming from me, but with the full context, you understand how painful it is for Tycho. Exactly. Well, considering that, like, she was... Um... Like, he shook every girl, every person's hand in that classroom except her and outright told her that because he knew that, um, uh, like, he, like, whether or not verbally or he just kind of figured it out, um, that, that Naoko didn't want anything to do with her. But I, and, 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 and like, I found that moment really, really powerful because I think it, it, it's that moment where she realizes that. You know, I, I shouldn't let the hauntings of my past decide what I have to, what I can do in the future. You know, and I, I really like her journey. Um, like she does have a journey uh, from beginning to end, where she starts off unsure and in and not necessarily indifferent, but just like she just wants to just do what she's happy where she's at. Why change? And to ultimately realizing that no, she is the happiest here. I mean, when she's picking the flowers and you know talking with her relatives, like she's at her happiest there. Why would it? Why would it be any different? And I, I, I like that conclusion she comes to, despite knowing it's it's not going to be easy. And even Toshio himself says that. Yeah, I feel like uh, the overall message of this movie, which you only realize in this final act. Um, really is something that we can all connect with. Sometimes uh, we want to live our lives doing what we love instead of just doing whatever, you know? Exactly. Find, find, finding meaning in it and finding substance in it versus just, you know, um, getting up at 5 in the morning and going doing the same thing every day for, uh, for like 10 years. Like, like, yeah, sure, it's work, it's fine, but like, could you do more? Do you want to do more? Yeah, and especially the kind of person. The question is, are you happy? Exactly, and like I don't think Nalco was ready to answer that question until then. Um, 
but like, like I, I like I. I used to say Princess Mononoke was one of my favorite movies, my favorite movie, but this, until I rewatched it, I'm going to put this, like, right above it. Because just, maybe it's because I I don't know if I'd get the same feeling if I watched this when I was younger, you know? Um, but now that I'm, I'm 32 and watching this movie, I can understand the themes a lot more, especially even relate to, not everything in this movie, but a good chunk, ch- good chunk of the themes here. Um... You know, I, I feel like like it's become one of my favorite Ghibli movies. Yeah, this is a surprise surprise sleeper hit, in all honesty. Like, I feel like it's only because we're older and we've experienced a whole bunch and uh, kind of uh, put our childhoods on, like, a pedestal. Yeah. And um, I think this movie captures that really well. Right. Everything looks fine for a bit, and then you start to remember the others the other parts and it's not always as pretty as you remember it but you do remember the good times and it's it's not all it was not always all bad it wasn't always good either but you know whether by you or your family or other circumstances um it was all right and you're still here um okay uh i anything else buddy that we, that we might have missed I think we covered just about everything. Okay. I do love the, the the credit sequence where, like, she's on the train, though, going home, and then she gets off the train at an earlier stop, takes a bus back to meet Toshio, and pretty much, like, you never hear this, like, I'm gonna, like, she pretty much is gonna stay on the farm, which is just, like, she realizes that, like, no. Whether it's with Toshio or not doesn't matter. It's the fact that she chose it and that she wants to be there. I did. I did like yeah. that. It didn't need a big kiss or a marriage proposal. It was just like, I just want to be here. That's all I want. Okay. Uh, how about. how many? Um, I don't even. Know. How many? How, oh, I know. How many safflowers out of five do you give this movie? I will give this four and a half uh, straw hats out of five. Uh, this was a surprisingly well-crafted movie uh, which kind of touches on real-life struggles uh, that applies uh, still to this day. Like, I feel like um, Taco, the main character, is super relatable uh, and the supporting cast is also pretty great. And it's just a nice wholesome movie to watch through and it really uh, it really reminds you that you know, you shouldn't just uh, settle for the bare minimum. Just do what makes you happy. I'm gonna give. The, I'm gonna do do four and a half. I thought it was wonderfully paced, beautiful messaging, great voice acting, even from from Daisy Ridley, um, and Dev Patel. But also nice to see other voice actors, like well known voice actors that we recognize in there. Um, you know, it's got to be like some kind of like check mark. I got I got to work on a Ghibli film. Um, very. Very, very amazing movie, and again, I could have, I could have just watched the movie of her and her childhood with that, with that watercolor art style. Uh, it, it was, it was something amazing. I'm, really, I'm really glad we finally got this movie uh, released over here. Uh, but now we're gonna start getting into um, maybe not, not every one of them, but I, because I think Ocean Heart is more uh, slice of life, but uh, or Ocean Waves rather, but. Starting with the next one, which next week we're watching Porco Porco Rosso, which you've seen the meme of. 
I may be a pig, but I'm not a fascist. You've seen that. <laughs> um, Laws so. don't apply to pigs. Exactly. So I'm very excited to see this movie. Um, so yeah, we'll be watching Porco Rosco next week. Uh, Tyler, where can the people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at HateSatai. Check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, Home with Tire Shoes Reviews, where I review old-ass fighting games for your pleasure. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash marvelousiggy, and you can catch me live four times a week at Twitch TV slash Iggy204. And, of course, go to trusters.com for this episode as well as our other episodes. Um, and, of course, uh, Wrestling Watch Alongs and our main flagship show, The Charge Games Gamescast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this wonderful review of Only Yesterday. We'll be back next week for Porco Rosco. Rosso. Until next time, guys, do what you want that makes you happy. Bye-bye. Time to go back to the countryside. Peace. Thank you for watching at Cinema Shot Theater.